how flexible is Gateway? How easily can it be dialed up? From your point of view, what does its next iteration look like? Each of those three components are very scalable. Um, and since they're released, so the intake tool was released in 2018, the pro bono portal and the referrer tool were released in 2019. And each of those products has already been through an iteration cycle and a re-release. So last week, we actually updated the pro bono portal in a major way, adding a whole lot of new functions and features which help go to your point around scale. But perhaps most interesting with the pro bono portal is the potential for us to make it available to other jurisdictions. So we've been having conversations over the last eight months and doing some specific research around to what extent does the pro bono portal have the potential to play a similar role to the one it's been playing in Australia in overseas jurisdictions. And that research, which included workshops with 30 organisations from around the world, surveys of global law firms, very much validated that there was strong appetite for the platform. And we've since created a project which is designed to make that platform available in other jurisdictions at no or low cost wherever possible. So we've already agreed now that we're going to roll out the platform in the UK and in Ireland very exciting we've actually already installed it and it's just being tailored currently for full release there and we have a pipeline and a project plan where we will continue to identify jurisdictions and roll it out over the next two years perhaps um, when we first thought about the product we were very much designing it for the Australian context and I think what we hadn't realised was just how similar the pro bono ecosystems are in jurisdictions around the world, which now that I've done this research doesn't surprise me because you find that a lot of the pro bono leaders at firms um, all know each other, they talk to each other. The way that pro bono works has some real similarities. Of course, there are regional differences and location-specific issues and approaches, but there is really an underlying similarity that means there's a huge amount of potential for this product to have impact beyond Australia. And thinking specifically in the current context of the UK and perhaps to a lesser extent Ireland there, I would imagine that the social impact of their particularly devastating exposure to COVID would only amplify the need for such a service. Absolutely. And we started these conversations uh, internationally in around September last year. And at that time, there was very strong interest. But since the COVID-19 pandemic, that interest has just absolutely accelerated and solidified. And there's real momentum now, I think. And there's a real recognition that the platform can play an important role. In the UK, it's interesting that a lot of lawyers are furloughed a lot more than they are in Australia. So mm. some lawyers have been furloughed, but most lawyers are still working. They are just a bit less busy in some instances, but they've still got a job and they're still working. So mm. in Australia, we're tapping into that part of the industry that's a bit less busy. In the UK, there are lawyers who are actually furloughed, who mm. are not working. And so one of the things that we've been looking at building with our partner in the UK, which is a very similar organisation to Justice Connect called Lawworks, they're looking at how can we 
add some extra features to the portal that can help us tap into that furloughed workforce as well as those that are actually still working with the firms. That's a really exciting development. Is there, in a technical sense, anything that you're looking at that would offer the next stage evolution of any of the three elements of the Gateway Project? Yeah, it's an interesting question. So for the pro bono portal, it's really about taking something that's working well in Australia and mm. then spreading the impact internationally. For mm. our intake tool, which is you know the tool that we use to interface with the community, that is an area of work that there's sort of limitless potential to do more research and think about ways that we can improve that. And there's two particular areas that we're focused on. So one is we're focused on doing digital outreach. So this is really leaning into the idea that we need to go and find people rather than expect them to come to us. So our communications team is doing some fascinating research on the ways that different cohorts engage with different social media platforms, different search engines, and then we're putting in place a strategy to be very active in those places where we expect to find the people that we want to help in an online setting. And so we'll be evaluating that later this year. Uh, we got some funding from the Lord Mayor's Charitable Foundation to support this work, to support this focus on reaching people in that digital setting. So we're very grateful to them and it's a really fascinating area as well. And the findings are obviously applicable not just to Justice Connect but much more broadly. And mm. When we do research like this, we always share it because that's, that's a big part of why we're doing this work. It's not just for Justice Connect, but it's to build up the sector's understanding of some of these nuanced issues around online and digital. And the other area that is very exciting is we've recently entered into an agreement with Melbourne University to run an AI project. And that AI project takes all the data from our intake tool. So we have thousands and thousands of entries from people who've asked us for help what that means is we have those requests for help written in their words, using their language. We know mm. that one of the biggest barriers to accessing legal help is that people don't have the right words. They need a diagnosis. They can tell you the symptoms, but they don't necessarily know the mm. words to put around the problem that they have. So it's very similar to health. And, you know, in a health setting, we know that people go online and they Google their symptoms. That's mm. not always a good thing. Sometimes they no, should just be no. talking to their doctor. Um, but that's the, that's the behaviour, right? People go online, they go, I've got a sore throat, I've got a cough. So they're telling the internet their symptoms and then they're hoping that Google will provide back to them information that helps them narrow down what their problem is. People behave in very similar ways with their legal problems. They type in things like, you know, I have a problem with my landlord, I have a problem with my job, I'm not getting paid enough, uh, you know, my boss has stolen wages from me. These are the types of things they type into Google, but that is not necessarily going to connect them up with a specialist employment law, community legal service, for example, um, unless that service has really optimised the language on their website. And so the AI project is about using machine learning to pass to read over the natural language description, that symptoms description, and actually make a diagnosis from that. So we are inputting to the model that we're working with Melbourne University, these natural language descriptions 
as well as the diagnosis that attached to it that we made. And so we're teaching that model to work out which words and which framing leads to the conclusion that this type of problem might be there. And we are not intending to use this tool as the definitive diagnosis, but what it can do is help nudge people in the right direction. And particularly that's relevant with our online intake system. So we ask people to describe their problem and then we ask people to put some categories against that problem because that helps mm. us give them feedback on eligibility for assistance and whether or not we have the right lawyers at our service to help. And so we know that people don't do a great job of that. We've known that since we did our research and we see it in the use of the intake tools. So there's a huge opportunity to help people make a more accurate categorization. So we let them write the description of their problem and then the AI helps to spot for them what that might actually be in terms of the category of problem that they have. So this is work that is really fascinating. We're really enjoying working with the Melbourne yeah. University computer science team. It's fascinating stuff. And mm. obviously it's very early stages. We are, along with Melbourne University, really interested to understand how many of these descriptions of problems do we need? How much volume do we need to train a model to make good predictions? There's a similar project happening in the United States, which we are connected with and speaking to regularly. So it's also really interesting to be part of some pretty cutting edge work that's happening internationally and be part of that global community of people thinking about how we can start to use AI in the legal setting. We talked about philanthropy. How critical do you think philanthropy is in supporting what you want to do in terms of this project, but across the breadth of technology's application to the legal system? The core funding for our gateway work has come from philanthropy. We have seed funding from Google and then we, off the back of the research and the early product development that that seed funding supported, we were then able to go to philanthropy and say, we have a big ambitious project here. We've got some really interesting research. We have some pretty compelling hypotheses about what might work here, but it's pretty different to what most organisations like us are working on at the moment. And we were really grateful to find that a number of philanthropic supporters jumped on board. In particular, the Maya Foundation funded us for three years. And that was a really significant turning point in the project that we had a highly regarded Australian philanthropic group funding us in that way for three whole years to give us that certainty to really run the project. And we then had a range of other philanthropic contributors Something that we've spoken about before is a lot of those funders that invested in this work were funders that had existing relationships with Justice Connect and had funded other projects in the past. Mm. And I think people often ask, what was it about this work? What was it about Justice Connect that meant that we were able to get this off the ground and really do this work properly and over a long period of time? And I think that it's a little bit of right place, right time. And in that, I think Justice Connect has been around for 28 years. It has a strong reputation. It has very good governance and it's trusted by philanthropy to do good work. This work needed to happen in an organisation like Justice Connect to be able to tap into that support from the philanthropic community. I think it was easier for the philanthropic community to take a risk on us 
compared to, say, some startup group who perhaps don't have such a strong track record and don't have that same level of governance and oversight in place. So we reflect on this at Justice Connect quite a bit. And I think that it was really a product of the years of work that have been put in at Justice Connect by the many wonderful people that have worked there over the years and philanthropy's trust in Justice Connect and also appetite to take a bit of a risk. I'm not saying it would be impossible to get funding if you were a new organisation, but I do think reflecting on the various funders who've contributed to this work over the years, our credibility played a big part in that. So more recently, the funding for our AI work has come from the Legal Services Board, which is a granting program um, in Victoria, philanthropic arm of the Legal Services Commissioner. And again, they've funded Justice Connect over the years for many different programs and contexts. And so, again, they were prepared to take that leap of faith with something like AI, which is, you know, very much untested, very exploratory. At the moment, there are very few examples of AI having been applied in the way that we're doing it. But again, I think the Legal Services Board saw that that was very interesting work and that ultimately, if it works, it's going to benefit the whole sector, not just Justice Connect as well. So they are really investing in this kind of exploratory approach to services, which I think is really paints the picture of the important role that philanthropy pays. I don't think we could get government to fund this exploratory work when it's in that exploration phase. Great. Thank you very much for your time this morning. That's been fascinating. I look forward to the outcome of both those pieces of research, especially the AI. I think that's, I think it's extraordinary work that you're doing. So good luck with it from here. Thank you so much. It's been lovely to chat. That was Kate Fuzio from Head of Innovation and Engagement at Justice Connect. I'm Nick Richardson. Thanks for listening to the Philanthropy Australia podcast.